passage this morning is Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to the servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by His blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. Good morning. As we roll into the book of Revelation, um, I want to give you this caveat. If Jesus bores you, you're going to get sick of this real quick. Because my invitation to you is come and see him as he is. That's all we got. We've got a resurrected, risen, ruling, reigning God of the universe who rules all things well in power and might. And if the gospel bores you, you're going to hate this and you may need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. As we roll into this book as well, I want you to understand that this is not going to be an excursus into future telling. I'm not going to have a big facade of charts behind me with beautifully uh, colored art and timelines. My mission is to hold out to you the person and work of Jesus Christ in as much Candid detail as John the Revelator would give us. I remember being um, at a, a Braves game at one time uh, in 91. And uh, I had just gotten my first cell phone. It was... It was uh, one of those models that the screen was sort of greenish, brownish kind of thing with black, digital, not digital. I'm not sure. Analog. It was analog. That's it. And, uh, and it was like this big, dude. It was like honking. It had a little antenna you brought up on it. it was, I was jacked. I was pretty excited about that phone. And because, uh, dude, it didn't have a wire on it and uh, connect it to anything. I thought that was amazing. I was a beast. And uh, we're down at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, and the Braves win uh, win a uh, game against the Dodgers. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. Some of you guys do. 
Thank you. Got a few here who knows some history. Braves won that game, and everybody's yelling at Daryl Strawberry. You guys remember how much we as Braves fans hated Daryl Strawberry and the Los Angeles Dodgers? We won that game, and he was going crazy. People going nuts. And I dialed a buddy of mine who's a Dodgers fan, and I'm still praying for his salvation. And, uh, and, and I just held the phone up and screamed at him. Uh, you, you, you got you, you got to see this. This is amazing. We just blew you guys up. And uh, I'm going to give you a little taste of it right here over the phone. And in a lot of ways, that's a little bit about uh, of what John is doing. Um, Pre-cell phone technology, John has been allowed to see things as they are. And he writes to let us get a little bit of a glimpse of what he's seeing. My friend on the other end of the phone couldn't see everything going on. He couldn't taste the full excitement of the scenario. He just got a glimpse of the glory that was happening in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. John does a similar thing. It's as if he is standing in front of this magnitudinal event. And he, and he gives us a glimpse. And so my goal is to try to take this glimpse of what John gives us here. Revealed to him from the Lord Jesus himself. So that we can taste a little bit of glory. So that we can be moved in the direction for which John wrote this book. Uh, if you missed several, several, several weeks back where I did a, a, a big long intro on the book of Revelation. You go back and pick that up and get a little history on how we're going to approach the book. And with that in mind, I, I turn to what you have in front of you. Um, I gave you a little chart for you to see something that I think is pretty astounding. And really what Revelation is going to do here, and, and my encouragement to you is go take those two comparisons of what happens in Genesis and what's happening in Revelation and, and just enjoy looking at those passages. Because what we have here in Revelation is an outline of God's program of human history. What started ages ago in creation is ultimately completed in the new creation. Revelation begins saying that this book is a blessing and it shows us and it blesses us with this view and understanding that human history is God's story. That history is not just time happening on an evolutionary scale, but it is God's story. It is God moving His story. And that human affairs are in the hands of the risen, reigning, ruling Christ. And as we look through this book, as we study the book of Revelation, we as His people should be encouraged. We should be moved to action. We should be moved toward holiness so that we will be ready when He returns. Because as He says, behold, I come quickly. So as we turn to Revelation 1, 1 through 8, I want to give you this. I'm going to make it through 4A. And then we'll pick up 4B through 8 next week. Because I want you to get the intimate feel of what's being communicated here on the front end. First and foremost, remember the word throne shows up in this book some 38 plus times. Throne. A throne is where a king sits. A throne is where a king issues his judgments. A throne is where a king rules from. 
And just on the sheer surface, knowing that the word throne shows up that many times, we begin to get the point that, that this book is, is about the ruling of Jesus. The fact that Jesus is king, and that he is ruling, that he has authority, and that all obey him. Either on purpose, or in their ignorance, they are moving at his will, because he sits on his throne Ruling the nations. The title of the book gives us a glimpse to its purpose. It is the apocalypsis. And, and that word, unfortunately, in, in movie culture, uh, equals bombs and, and crazy wild things and diseases and stuff like blowing people's innards up and all that crazy stuff. And people think apocalypse and they think destruction. That's not what the word means. Apocalypsis, revealing, uncovering. So that one can see what is. The book of Revelation is an uncovering. It is a revealing of Jesus as he is. I think one of the unfortunate things for us is sometimes we have a tendency to portray Jesus only in his weakened incarnate state on a cross. Submitting to the torturous, brutal execution of the hands of men. And no doubt that is a vital piece of the incarnation. That we see God take on flesh and come and dwell among us. And die in our place for our sin. But what makes that so astounding is not that He is man and God. But that God took on flesh for a short time. And that what we see is not just that part where he took on flesh, but also what he really is, so that the taking on flesh is even more astounding. That it, that this God who rules the universe would actually step off of his throne and allow himself to be mistreated at the hands of his creatures. And, and, and when we see him as that Revelation 19 conquering king, the cross is that much more astounding. Our presidents come and they dwell among us and they put on a collared shirt and a jacket and they take their tie off and it looks like they're part of the people. That's a joke, by the way. Our king didn't just put on a different shirt or a different jacket. The conquering, ruling king of the universe took on flesh and died in our place for our sin. And when we see him as he really is, that is just even more mind-blowing. So this book is showing Jesus as he is. So I hope and pray for you that as you get a glimpse of him as he is, the work of the cross would be even more astounding. And that perhaps for some, the work of the cross would be finally effective for salvation. And that for some, the work of the cross would finally be ultimately, ultimately the ground and foundation of all of your joy. Because the conquering, reigning king of the universe is who He is. And He would love us enough to come and die for us. To give us life. So, as we look at verse 1, 1 through 4, just this morning, I want to highlight a few pieces that are vital for you. Point number 1, 
the revealing of Jesus is for his servants to see him and what he is doing. The revealing of Jesus is for his servants to see him and what he is doing. Listen carefully to verse 1 and 2. The revelation, the apocalypsis, the uncovering, the peeling back of the layers so you can see the revealing of Jesus Christ. Comma, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Read it again, read it slowly. And I want you to let, let these words soak into you. The revealing, the revelation of Jesus Christ, comma, which God gave him. Who's him? Jesus. God the Father, and, and, and you have this, and we'll hit this next week, this triune reality of the distinct and awesome quality of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in creation. God the Father gives God the Son this opportunity to show Himself as He is. There's inter-Trinitarian work going on here. That God the Father says to God the Son, unveil your glory so that John can see and then John can show What he saw. There is God ripping back creation so that his people can see him as he is. This is astounding. The inner Trinitarian work to bring glory to God. And and I'll hit this next week. Snip it. This is God's mission to show himself to people who radically need to see reality. The revelation of Jesus, which God the Father gave him, that is God the Son, to show, listen, to show to his servants. The object or the objects of this revealing, us. Us. Stop and think about this for a moment. That God... Would reveal himself so that we could see him. Which clues us into our greatest need. And that is what? To see Jesus as he is. Your greatest need. My greatest need is not more. It's to see the king as he is. There is no greater need. All needs line up underneath this need. Our need for water is less than our need for this. Our need for food is less than our need for this. Our need for shelter is less than our need for this. There is no hierarchy of needs. That is atheistic, psychological babble. That hierarchy of needs that your psychology prof is going to throw upon you comes from atheism. It doesn't come from a worldview that says there's a God who rules all things. His name's Jesus. That hierarchy of needs is a load. Your greatest need is not self-actualization. Your need 
my need, our greatest need, is that we would see Jesus, the creator of all things, as he is. You have no greater need than that. Because when we see him as he is, it is crazy how life will line up underneath that. And it will not come with a cultural set of values. It will come with a biblical set of values. That was for free. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants, us, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. In this book, the Holy Spirit pulls back the curtain and he gives us the privilege of seeing the glorified Christ in heaven and the fulfillment of his sovereign purposes in the world. In this book, we're going to get to see Jesus as he is and also what he is doing in creation. His sovereign purposes in the world. One of the beautiful truths you're going to peel. And, and you don't even have to just read Revelation to get this. It is a biblical truth that God is ruling human history. Nations don't just spring to. Kings don't just ascend to thrones. They do so at the will of Jesus. And he is guiding human history in the spirit of God. And the Father give to Jesus the unveiling of himself so that we might see who he is and his work on the globe. Which leads me to a few sub points. And that's this. The revelation of Jesus and his purposes builds faith in the church. The revelation of Jesus and his purposes builds faith in the church. Notice he says he was given this to show us who he is and what must soon take place. When Daniel finished writing his work in Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, the angel sent by the Lord said, seal up, shut up the words of this book and do not make any more than this known. If you ever read Daniel, you're left with this, huh? I want more. Please explain that other week. And if you're totally confused, go read Daniel. And you'll want to know. Please explain that other week. I would love to know more. But that's not what happens here. John is given the opposite instructions. In Revelation 22.10. Do not seal the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Make them known. Make it clear. Unveil it. Show it all. Why? Since the work of the cross and the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, we're reminded in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 that God has ushered in the last days and He is fulfilling His hidden purposes in the world. And as Revelation 1, 3 and 22, 10 exclaim, the time is at hand. And when we get to see and understand what happens... Our faith is constructed. Our trust in the Lord is made greater. The revelation of Jesus and his purposes builds faith in the church. When you and I get the perspective that redemptive history is moving at the hands of Jesus. And we look back in history. And we look at present. We look forward. This should happen. Our faith should increase. Why? Because he is shown to be trustworthy and totally faithful. Our trust in the Lord's way of doing time and history and events increases. 
We can trust Him with our days. We can trust Him with the work of the church. We can trust Him with the great commission. This is, this is the great confidence we have in doing the work of the church that we don't have to make it advance. We just have to be faithful to tell the story. We can trust Him. It comes down to a personal level. When we see Jesus as He is and we see Him moving history, anxiety over Jesus' handling of our personal life melts away. Because if Jesus can manage kings, He certainly can manage me well. So that I don't have to wonder, Jesus, what are you doing? I don't have to be anxious over my days. I know and can trust that He is working for my good. Because we see Him as He is. This good sovereign who rules the universe. And so therefore, from personal level all the way up to the globe, we trust Him and our faith in Him increases Revelation is an open book for all of Jesus' people to see Him as He is. Another way our faith increases and plays itself out is that our view of Jesus and our communication of Jesus needs then to be the totality of who He is. If we trust Him and our faith is increasing, then we don't have to make Jesus look like something He's not. To say it another way. Our faith is increasing. Our understanding of Him is increasing. Our trust in Him is growing. We don't have to sell Jesus. To say it another way. We can communicate Jesus in the totality of who He is. We don't have to sugarcoat Him. We don't have to make Him taste sweeter than He is. He's sweet enough. And He doesn't need my enhancement of Him. I don't need to paint a picture of Jesus other than what He really is. Because it's not my convincing power that makes people believe. It's not the story that I tell that has emotional value that makes people cry. It is very simply Jesus as He is. And therefore my communication of Him can be just as He is. When we talk about Jesus, particularly in a culture that's saturated with His name and not much truth about Him, such as where we live. We need and must seek to show Him as He is. Jesus is not feminine, as many paintings make Him out to be. He no longer hangs on a cross. He's not weak. He's not a pacifist, nor is He a warmonger. He's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's the reigning king of all there is. And he's never dropped his reign as king. And he's ruling well today. And the picture in Revelation 19 is sufficient of him sitting on a white horse with a sword. Ruling the nations coming on the clouds of heaven with a great army behind him. Ready to mete out justice to those who will not believe. And ready to give grace and mercy to all those who have believed. And the only blood on his robe is not his. That's who he is. And we don't have to cover that up. It is only in communicating his person and his work. That we find effective ministry. Our faith increases. Therefore we can speak clearly and boldly about him. 
Do you ever feel the need to try to make Jesus something he's not? Depending on who you're talking to. Let's be honest. If you talk to anybody that's not a Christian about Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. There's this temptation to make him maybe sound a little more what they perceive love to be. Rather than talking about, no, he defines love. He is the definition of love. So, so let's redefine how you look at love. We can speak clearly about him. Because our faith in See, if he rules history, I don't have to cover up who he really is. Do I? We get to see him and speak clearly about him. Unfortunately, in our context, it's easy to make the faith a political issue. The following of a particular party, the voting of particular candidates. And might I suggest to you that when the Lord Jesus shows up at the Battle of Jericho, the angel of the Lord, the question was, you for us or them? And his response, neither. It would make sense to me to go, hey, you, dude, you're my peeps. Of course I'm for you. He didn't do that. Neither. I'm king. Point being, he's not on one side or the other. He is his side. And often we act as if there are many other options. No, we must be on his side. Does that make sense? Because he's the ruling king. Yeah, 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 we have presidents and other, yeah, yeah, whatever. But he is the king. And we submit to him. We submit to his plan. We submit to his purposes. And as his people, we get to see him like that. And it builds our faith and we can speak clearly about him. The revelation of Jesus and his purposes then also gives conviction to the church's actions. The revelation of Jesus as he is gives conviction to the church's actions. What I mean by conviction is that extra measure of tenacity that one displays when they know confidently the outcome of a struggle. You know what I mean? You know when you're getting to the end of something difficult and you realize it's going to be okay? That little... (sighs) That you get. That little extra measure. I'm going to finish this well. And you don't limp across the line. You may be limping, but you're sprint limping. You're like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to finish this thing. That extra measure of tenacity, when our faith increases and we see Him as He is, it gives an extra measure of conviction to our actions. In other words, we go into the ministries we do with a little extra oomph knowing that He has us, is working through us. And this will not abort, this will not fail. Because we've seen the King. He's ruling, even right now. So we can confidently move forward to the Great Commission because it can't fail. The King sitting on His throne. The ministries that we do, that you're involved in, won't fail when they're underneath the authority of the king. You say, I want to care for a kid that doesn't have a mom and dad. You don't have to worry about whether or not that will abort. Just go do it. Because the king is ruling it. He's ruling your days. He's ruling your resources. And your greatest need is to see him so that you have that extra measure of conviction in moving forward in these things. You ladies who work with these young moms, there's no need to, 
You don't have to fret. You don't have to wonder and worry. Is God going to do? Yeah. Why? Because he's king. And he's given a mandate. And we're doing it. And so we got a little extra measure. Mm, I'm going to step up in here and go. And we can do it with confidence because we've seen the king. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? When you see him as he is and we get our eyes off of us, it's crazy the stuff he gets done. The revelation of Jesus and his purposes is so that we can know him better. To bring it full circle in this first point. Jesus reveals himself so that we can know him better. Ultimately, this book is all about Jesus and the church's need of and devotion to him. Warren Wiersbe says this. John's prophecy is primarily the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of future events. You must not divorce the person from the prophecy. For without the person, there could be no fulfillment of the prophecy. He is not incidental to the action. He is its chief subject. The temptation is to take our eyes and look at all the cataclysmic events and go, Oh, wow! And miss the one causing the actions. If we miss the person of Jesus, we miss the point of revelation. It is not here to give us a timeline of future events. It is here to show us Jesus and the fact that He rules all future events. In Revelation 1-3, to Jesus is seen as the exalted priest king ministering to the churches. Revelation letters to the churches are astounding because it's easy to get in there into the minutiae and forget that he's ministering to us now. He's the one who stands among his churches. Do you understand that by the Spirit of God, Jesus is here now? That's radically different to the worldview that we come to the table with. We, I do. I mean, I forget. I'm breathing the air of the fall and my fleshly tendencies. And I forget that he, he is among us now ministering to us individually and corporately. This, this is why the proclamation of the scriptures is so vital. I, I, I like to, at least for me, this is my description of it. When I get a chance to go and be part of and not be... And I say be part of, that is get it to go and just be. I call it walking into the cloud. Because there's something about entering into a place, regardless of where it is, where the scriptures are open and people who are family gather together. There's a dynamic present that can't be quantified. And that transcends the way we often approach things. Because we come thinking, what am I going to get out of this? As opposed to, I just need to come and bathe in. Whether I walk away with anything, I'm coming to bathe in and step into the cloud and have the Spirit of God, Jesus' presence, do a work in me that is not quantifiable. That's probably, you're like, dude, I don't have a clue what you're saying. I'm sorry. But some of you, you walk in here and you feed on this time. You walk into the cloud and you walk out of the cloud energized. 
I do that when I get to go to those places and sit and listen. Because, why does that happen? Because He's here. He's here now. And He's ministering now. In Revelation 1 to 3, he's the exalted priest, king, ministering to churches. In Revelation 4 and 5, he's seen in heaven as the glorified Lamb of God reigning on the throne. In Revelation 16 and 18, he's the judge of all the earth. And in Revelation 19, he returns to earth as the conquering king of kings. And in the book closes with the heavenly bridegroom ushering his bride, the church, into the glorious heavenly city. So whatever you do, as we study this book, get to know Jesus better. Whatever you do, as we move through this book, get to know the King better. It is your chief need. It stands at the top of all needs. Get to know Him better. Point number two. Readers, hearers, and doers are blessed. Readers, hearers, and doers are blessed. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. The blessing of verse 3 is the first of seven contained in the book. Revelation 14, 13, 16, 15, 19, 9. 26, 22, 7, and then verse 14. The first of seven blessings in this book. This word blessed means happiness. And it carries this idea of, oh, the happiness of. Oh, the happiness of. The desire met. The joy of those who read. Those who hear. And those who keep, that is doers, readers, hearers, and doers are blessed. So what do we do with that? Number one, read Revelation over and over as we study it together. Read this book over and over. The chapters actually are short, comparatively speaking, for the rest of the Bible. Read it over and over and over again. Study the words, the sentences, the paragraphs, and the entire context of the book. Be present here. You don't hear me say this much, okay? I just want to say it. Be present. Walk into the cloud with us. Come in here where the Lord is ministering corporately. Don't miss it. Whatever you have to do, don't miss fellowship time where we can walk into the cloud and hear and read. Be in community to talk through this. Our wrestling with and our learning of is not meant to be done in isolation, but in the dynamic of community. Because in that there is the blessedness, the happy state of those who read, hear, and do. Bottom line, there is happiness awaiting God's people when they read and hear and do this. Could it be that the reason there's so much difficulty internally and unrest with us is that we just haven't seen Jesus as He is? 
that we're living in the minutia of our daily existence, trying to figure out how I can do more, and we haven't stepped back to see the King as He is. The reason I believe readers, hearers, and doers are blessed and have this happy condition is because they see Jesus. Because you see, if John's making a statement here about the happy condition of the people, and that happiness is found in something else other than the purpose of the book, John is lying and the whole book is worthless. John's invitation to a blessed state is because they've seen Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, they have met the ultimate need. And having one's ultimate needs met always result in a happy creature. Your happiness is at stake. Your joy is at stake because you need to see Him. And then finally, point number three, I want you to get this as we set up the rest of the book. This is a letter to the church. This is a letter to the church. This letter has profound purpose for the church. And that purpose is found in the person and work of Jesus as our prophet, priest, king, friend, and brother. Jesus addresses his church personally via a letter. Jesus is not distant, guys. He has written us a letter. Put it a little differently. He has typed you an email and hit send. He has texted you a really, really long message. And he has written to us, the church. I hope you get the gravity of that. Back in the day, you know, before there was email, you wrote letters and you had pen pals. You guys remember that? Some of you guys, some of you guys, like, what's a pen pal? <laughs> it's a pal you wrote a letter to in pen, put it in the mail, and mailed it for not forty nine thousand cents, but whatever. Because it was anyway, you you wrote, and and you know you you write letters to friends. You write personal correspondence to friends. When Paul wrote to Timothy in First and Second Timothy, that's a letter. He's writing personally to a friend, a brother, his young one in the faith. This letter is written to the church. If you're in Christ, you're part of that church. Jesus has sent us correspondence. Do you get the gravity? Is that just the only person that lands on me weird and cool? Is that Jesus has written us personally. We have the personal correspondence of the king. Why would we not want to read it? There's a scene in the movie The Patriot. And the militia has ambushed. You guys know the story? In the Revolutionary War, they've ambushed a, a group of British soldiers and they find inside this wagon the personal correspondence of Lord Cornwallis. And what does Mel Gibson's character do? He buries up in his diary and he finds out all the personal data of Lord Cornwallis and they use it against him. They got all the personal letters. They knew him intimately. Well, here's the cool deal. Jesus isn't trying to hide his correspondence from us. He said, here I am. Know me. Know me. Jesus is inviting you to know him. He's written us a personal letter. 
There's fellowship found in the living words of a personal letter from our king. And there's instruction that will not fail in a letter from our king. So my invitation to you this morning is come and see him as he is. Know him as he is and have the greatest need of your life satisfied. Jesus, we need you. And as we embark on the book of Revelation, I confess to you, I am terrified. I can feel, sense, all of the wonderful, glorious implications coming from seeing you as you are. And I just confess to you openly, publicly, that some of those I um, would just as soon run from. But there's this weird thing in me that wants to run to them too. And so, Father, I just want to ask you, for all of us in this room, would you gloriously, amazingly, irresistibly draw us to what is best for us? And that is to see you as you are. Pray, Father, that you would woo your people. That you would beckon us to come. And that we would feel that and sense that. And that there would be a joy and a happiness that would launch in us that is glorious. I pray, Father, that you would not allow us to run in your good grace. That you would catch us, you would capture us, captivate us, and get our attention. And meet the greatest need of our lives to see you. I ask that you would help us to do justice with your word. Be faithful to what is written. And I pray that you would guard us from any attempt to make more of history than is there. But cause us to default to the gospel and see you as you are as the reigning king who has died for the sins of man. That if they repent and believe that message of justification of the cross, that you would give them new hearts and new desires. May that be our default. Show us who you are. Please, Jesus, we pray for your glory and you know for our ultimate good and satisfaction.